welcome to From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes where we can get the things done for you, but you're going to have to pay. That's Clay. And that's Talon. And this week we're going to talk about The Mercenary. I mean, this is a thing we all know in numerous works of fiction. They're very popular in superhero settings because, like, for one thing, that's a dude you can slide in anywhere, right? And it's yep. also, like, it's a big gun, usually a big guns man, right? He shows up with his guns. Yep. And he shoots up the place, and he fights your bad guy. And, you know, it's you play around with gray morality, or black and gray morality, if you feel like that. And, you know, it's Deadpool, Deathstroke, Deadshot, some other dead person I'm not remembering, Taskmaster, Sportsmaster, a third master of some kind. Bullseye. Uh, bullseye. Bullseye, yeah. Uh, Typhoid Mary, Constrictor. Yeah, is Constrictor? I thought he was like Rob Banks. Does oh, he work you don't remember? You, you don't remember, remember from back in the period where Typhoid Mary and no, no, it wasn't Typhoid Mary. Oh, but, uh, right, right, and Constrictor right, were right. roommates. Oh yeah, so, yeah. yeah this is, <laughs> it's not. Good. So this is where we go. It's that he's good. the the Deadpool expert here, because yeah, <laughs> uh, the, all that happened in Deadpool stories, and I've. I used to run from Dead School stories just because of the excessive memory that had yep. made it. It's it's like, there's probably some interesting Joker stories that I haven't heard of. I'm not going to look for them. I'm not going to watch that fucking movie. Because Deadpool fandom, I mean, Joker fandom, is just tiresome. So it's like, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. I understand Mr. Scorsese is quite good at making a film or two. But, yeah. um... I can't begin to tell you how little I care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in a lot of ways, Deadpool and the Joker represent two very different takes on a central question of how to construct a villain, which is, what if the most tiresome white guy in the world could force you to deal with him? And that's basically it. That's like the can, root of both of their characters. Can they not already do that? Or have I misunderstand most of Max Landis's career? Well, yeah, there you have a problem, don't you? <laughs> They're not very realistic because you don't have to become a supervillain to force someone to have to put up with your shit. You could just be an actor. Yeah. Or someone's kid. Yeah. And then, Met a few of those. you know, we could we could always talk about um, Mr. Arthur Curry, Jason Momoa, who apparently thought that it was an acceptable behavior to take books away from a woman tear out the pages and give the book back to her because she wasn't paying enough attention to him because uh, he's fucking gaston i guess and it killed it right we were having a good time we were having a good time i wanted to like aquaman yeah fuck that guy (sighs) anyway so the mercenary Uh, all right so we, we talked last time about the gang in uh, superhero settings and the gang serving as a sort of surrogate government in a location that where there was no existing infrastructure. Uh, the idea that people turn to gangs because they want the protection of law and order, but they don't have that option. And the gang has a... The, there is a there is a interesting tension in that the gang kind of coerces you to comply with its vision of law and order, just like a real government does. But we don't think of it as a bad thing when a government does it. Hmm, strange. I'm sure that I, a white person, would have no idea about times when this is used in any negative ways. Anyway, the same thing winds up being true of the mercenary, because the mercenary serves as another example of a surrogate system 
in the context of a superhero universe. These powerful forces, when basically an army can be cooked down to one person and has one person's needs for food, lodging, and supplies, you can hire an army. Yeah, and so- you know, I'm trying to think of many, like, well, the thing is, right, like it's, the merc in a superhero said is never a regular merc- mercenary. Even if, no. on the odd chance, they are unpowered, they're always the best there is at what they do, etc., yeah. etc. And I'm trying to think, you would know, this. obviously I'm sure there's a Deadpool story about this, but how many instances of, like, good people hiring these popes to do stuff for them would you say there are? Um, they're tr- they are very common stories, but they are treated as very uncommon incidents, if you follow mm. me. Right. Uh, um, the, the, one of the things about Deadpool stories in that period that kind of stands apart is that there were numerous times where Deadpool did something that was tangibly and obviously heroic, and then at the end did something that immediately plunged it into villainy because it was clear he wasn't actually doing it for heroic reasons. Um, there's a whole comic where he uh, breaks into a wedding as it's happening, uh, rescues the bride who doesn't want to be there, and there's this dramatic chase, and there's a biplane flight, and there's a fight on the wing of a plane, and it's all very cool and badass. And then at the very end of it all, when he gets away from the whole situation and lands, he gives the bride over to a different, uh, you know, come to think of it, Saudi oil prince, I'm pretty sure. Like, it was, like, two Saudi oil princes fighting over a girl. And the girl was like, oh my god, thank you so much for for rescuing me, I'm so grateful, where are we going next? And he lands, he hands her over, and he doesn't talk to her. And she spends the last page of the comic swearing at him, because what a piece of shit. And, like, that's... Go on. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of the intersection of, like, the sort of mercenary character and, like, the private detective. Or however they want to frame yeah. them. Because they, they show up in Latin fiction. And yeah. they tend to work for good characters. Because they got, you know, like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and sometimes Spider-Woman and um, varying other characters. Uh, Constantine sometimes. A lot of monster hunters will enter this role where someone will hire them or ask them to, you know, come deal with the problem. And they're in that similar vein. But because they come from this, like, era of noir heroes, or at least that's the inspiration... They tend to mostly do good things, whereas mercs tend to mostly do bad things. They, they, they tend to be villains or rivals a lot, even when they get their own book. Yeah. yeah. Dead shirt. Now, yeah, now, dead now in this case, what we're, not, we're not really referring to the specific act of being mercenary, because mm-hmm. like Clay says, uh, John Constantine does that. The Punisher technically does that from time to time, where there's people offering him a reward, but... You know, ultimately, he's not doing it for the reward. He's doing it for its own sake. Uh, and also, like, Tony Stark technically has a lot of very mercenary behaviors because he does things to promote his brand and sell his products. What we're referring to here specifically is the character archetype primarily defined as being a mercenary, which yeah. usually means they don't have a greater ideological purpose. It usually mm. means that they are very skilled and competent at what they do but also it has the interesting trapdoor in the narrative that there's a number of different ways to get them to stop engaging with the story without necessarily having them killed or kill the hero Mm -hmm. so they're a really useful thing to show up in a kind of a grittier space like your spider-mans and your daredevils 
Oh yeah, like anytime they go up against any superhero with money, just I'll pay you, fuck off please. You know? And yeah. even that can be a thing where depending on like if they have a code of like I don't know, I took this job, I'm going to I'm going to finish this job. You can't pay me to take another one. Like technically Lobo has that going on. Lobo yep. has his the main man keeps his word. So he's gonna come get you and you cannot pay him to not get you. It's weird because it means that Lobo has, and this this is a real thing that happened with mercenaries in the real world. Uh, Lobo has a professional standard. This was a big deal in um in like a, a lot a lot of um modern history as it relates to the mercenary and the and the pre nation private army. Uh, Italy has a ton of history about this stuff, and because they were very nice and wrote it all down. We have all these instances of characters who did this. Particularly, the example is a guy called Federico da Montefeltro. And I apologize to the people who hear that and don't like my Italian pronunciation. Um, this dude was the Duke of Urbino in... And again, I don't know how well, how well I'm doing there pronouncing there. During the uh, 1400s in the Italian Renaissance. And... One of the things his mercenaries were renowned for was a professional code. Once they were contracted, they would not be able to be contracted contrary. You couldn't pay them off to make them go away, even if you offered them enormous amounts of money. This led to um, this led to a really fascinating thing because people who were used to the idea that I could just buy off these mercenaries when they come to my front door couldn't. So what they started doing was sending money to Federico saying, I will pay you to not accept contracts against me. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of interesting, because, like, a lot of mercs, like, it's it's just, like, this hard scrabble, like, poor dude, like, you, you know, you live from check to check sort of thing sometimes. But then other times, like, Deathstroke will have a mansion and a butler, and, like... <laughs> yeah. Because, like, Deadshot De fucking doesn't seem to have a home. And... But then, like, again, Deathstroke is rich and has all this shit going on. And like, you compare that to that setting where it's like, well, aren't you, you bet you're paying, like, millions of dollars to kill somebody. So surely the person, you know, lives well off of it. But, like, how much money do they spend to not get caught, right? Or they stay out of things. It's a, it's a weird class thing going on, right? Because, like, they're, like, they have the aesthetic, uh, most of the time they have the aesthetic of soldiers, of military, right? And so they tend yeah. to, like, in modern stuff, tend to be, like, represented the way we represent soldiers. Like, kind of, kind it, of, not, not soldiers, elite soldiers. Yeah, but, like, they're still borrowing that, like, aesthetic and that, like, narrative, you know, setting. And yeah, but, like, these aren't, these aren't guys you see in camo gear and, and, and loose jackets and having to deal with carrying a giant backpack. These are skin-tight, SEAL Team 6-looking motherfuckers. yeah. But the thing is, like, very rarely you see them in that, like, position of greater social power like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they're represented as having, like, the same cultural weight in their setting as a soldier would or a law enforcement would. Because they're yeah. affecting that whole style for reasons. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I said when, uh, when there, the Deathstroke certain... shows up with his butler, it's like, oh, right. This is a lucrative career. Why aren't all of the rest of them looking like this? Well, there there is also a certain degree to which that's uh, um, kind of countermanded because a lot of them will make the point of I'm not a soldier, I'm a mercenary, 
because there are things soldiers won't do. There are rules of engagement and things you don't you don't target as a soldier. Uh, mercenary also in older comics especially got used as a as a watchword for when a character was definitively lawless that mm. they were the kind of people who would as it were shoot a baby yeah that's the ronin thing yeah not ronin the character right <laughs> ronin the narrative concept that may have yep. out of ever existed yeah, not, not not that character named ronin not that other or- character named ronin a character type called a Ronin. Yes, yes, yes. Did you want to explain what a Ronin is as a character concept there, Clay, for the listener? Um, so, supposedly historically, and I'm sure Ted would disagree, <laughs> um, <laughs> they were samurai, like, after the fall of the Shogunate, who, like, did not have masters. And so they just wandered around and fucked shit up, and occasionally taking, you know, violence work for money. Uh, and... Depending on you ask, that's where a lot of the Yakuza came from. Like, people with disconnections and this, like, ability to do violence and exert control, but without any of the oversight or, like, gentry or status that they used to have. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and, by the way, Ted, if you want to come on and do a thing about the samurai as represented in, uh, in, in superhero culture or the ninja, we are absolutely down for that. Oh, oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> many, many kiku of rice will be offered to you for this work. Anyway, mm. uh, so, okay. so yeah, the, the mercenary is an archetype. Um, it tends to get put in a very gritty way. There aren't a lot of nice uh, mercenaries. Um, and indeed, that's one of the things I like about the presence of... All right, so just to step into a slightly fraught area, because I think that the execution of this is bad... But conceptually, Deathstroke as an opposition to the Teen Titans is a pretty good match in my mind. Because mm. on the one hand, Deathstroke is basically bad Batman. Like, rich dude, trains a lot, kills people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that gives him a counterpoint to work against Robin. Mm-hmm. Right? It's so... So like... Okay, so if you go into original comics, Deathstroke's beef with the Teen Titans is that his son took a contract with Hive to kill them and failed and died because of shit Hive did. So he's like, I'm gonna get y'all. So this is a, his beef with the Teen Titans is a completely non-mercenary decision. It is personal with him. But then when he shows up with other stuff, he's a mercenary. He's a war, he's just, you know, he's coming there because he was given a job. And that's how that goes. And yeah. fucking in Arrow, it was all personal. Um, and then in the Teen Titans cartoon, there was no reason. He was just, that was so weird. He was a very cool, very intimidating villain, but he was just a villain. He was yeah. just, now, he had the other vague, ill-defined evil goals. It, right? Well, that, that's the thing. He actually kind of works in that context. And again, we're going to leave out certain details here, but the Teen Titans are teenagers and Deathstroke is about as much of a uh, things a dad does villain as you can get. He has a he has a job. He has a non-specific thing that like shri- uh, uh, like cuts away his personal expression. He's very focused. He's very professional. He's doing his things for money, and he knows better than you about how the world really works. Mm. And that makes him, in my opinion, a really good opposition to the Teen Titans, who are effectively uh, youth culture altruism for its own sake. 
with a lot of personal expression, whereas Deathstroke is like, no, everything about me can be cut down into basically a hat. Yeah, he's very much like a grown-ups against kids sort of narrative there, which I mean, yeah. you know, Deathstroke, Trigon, um, uh, Batman sometimes, uh, that's a big thing for the Titans, you know, when they're, like, there's some of their most memorable narratives involve that, uh, which, you yeah. know, defines them as children, compared to, like, Sportsmaster or, like, most of the stuff going on with Young Justice, and Deathstroke's in there too, uh, for some reason Lady Shiva is, but, like, she's not a mercenary and she just likes to punch things she i suppose like, there's an added element here worth considering that the nature of the mercenary as a kind of business almost like franchises uh it it does play into the fact that a lot of these characters are extremely generic to one another and in some cases we know that there's like a very deliberate reason like the whole deadpool deathstroke thing mm. but like, yeah, if I told you, like, if you hadn't watched Young Justice in a while, and I mentioned that the, uh, the villain, the, the mercenary villain of Young Justice was Taskmaster and not Sportsmaster, no. there would only be a moment where you, you would actually believe that for a hot moment. I am personally very fond of Taskmaster because of how <laughs> original he is compared to his peers. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was actually, see, the thing is, I was sitting here like, okay, cool, now we're going to talk about how Taskmaster is cool and different than all the other ones. <laughs> And then you hit me with the swerve. But no, no, no. Not because Taskmaster the character is bad, but because the name. Yeah. And but like, like, I like Taskmaster because of Agent X, and Agent X is also an example of a kind of a heroic hero uh, hero mercenary, but also not great at it, uh, which is also another interesting conversation. And then we get to like guys like Patroc the Leaper. Does, That's this year's I, mention of Patroc the Leaper. I'm sitting here like, I, I continue to say, oh, Patroc the Leaper is like a bank robber no no he works for people he gets paid money he got paid to invade wakanda once so yeah, yeah i forget about him in that context but yes but you're right and that it's and, a very and whoever uh whoever made that choice by the way i want to actually give some small points to that because when it typically comes to we're going to invade an african country picking a french dude who's kind of belgian to do it oh oh you didn't you don't know about that story um they got a rainbow coalition of people who colonized africa together and then also the rhino <laughs> because it was a funny joke yeah this is wow. Rachel Hudlin, like first run <laughs> they got claw who's belgian they got um uh radioactive man who's russian they got the truck who's french uh they got the uh the black knight or a version of the black knight somebody wearing his armor and using his sword and riding his horse uh who was british and um then they just got the rhino because they needed somebody big and also they wanted to have a bit where he fought a rhino do so, they have anyone dutch i don't think so they let me down it has been they a while since i've read that book and anyway the, it's, it's mo- moving on uh the nate the, the mercenary as a character archetype has an interesting problem in that a lot of them are very generic to one another <laughs> and that means that you mostly know mercenary characters that stand out because of what makes them different. Deadpool is a meme machine. Sportsmaster has a complicated relationship with his daughter. Deathstroke. Has... We don't want to talk about Deathstroke. Hey, they did a they uh, recently adapted parts of the Judas contract into Young Justice, and they left out all those parts that were avoiding. Oh, good. Oh, good. But, but. It, they, n- none of them were implied, but there's definitely the thing there. You know? it, but, it's, it's one of those instances where a whole chunk of story 
has been cut out and you you're you stand on the edge and go that was probably for a good reason wasn't it mm. Mm. oh it's not like that it's just the bad the worst parts about that are gone like he's still you know in charge of her and he still has an abusive relationship with her but it's more father daughter and less that yep moving on anyway but the- yes it's it's a it's a it's a it's a role just as much as it's like a character archetype. It's also a role guy who has been paid to hurt you, right? And that's yeah. And and again, they're all they're all, they're all very similar, like stylistically, right? They're always military man with you know Kevlar guns, a fancy mask, and for some reason also swords. The the thing of guns and swords is very popular amongst them. I don't know why. I, I guess it's just. To reemphasize the idea that they're gonna kill you, it, like they're a master of combat, right? So you give yeah. them melee, give them range. I've put some thought in making silly superhero characters of like, okay, so what does a non-powered person need as like a baseline level equipment? And like, they tend to carry about that much, but all of them are very similar, except the Taskmaster. Because Taskmaster will do mercenary work, but his primary job. Is teaching other people to do it so he doesn't have to. Yeah. So for those who don't, uh, if you want, if you want a, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, good Taskmaster story, the first ten issues, I think it is, of Agent X mm-hmm. from the mid thousands, um, in which basically a a legally distinct Deadpool has to get trained. And you get to have all sorts of insights Wait. into what Taskmaster's actual, like, regimen and his teaching infrastructure is like, and just how much he mm-hmm. hates Wade Wilson. Another good one is, um, I want to say, Avengers Academy. It's not a Taskmaster story, but it's a story about Taskmaster, in which, um, uh, how to put it? Uh, so there's this character named Finesse. And Finesse is always, like, on the verge of being evil. Like, one of the... T- it's, it's, a, it's a... It's a story about, like, a bunch of characters. I may be messing with name. A bunch of kids with, like, superpowers who, like, the Avengers have kind of decided, like, they might go bad. So we should, like, get a look on them. And Finesse's whole thing is she's just yep. the best fighter ever. Right? And, she, and one of her teachers is Quicksilver. And, you know, Quicksilver's a huge fucking asshole. And, and he's basically like, yeah, you might. You might go wrong. I mean, I was there. I know. I see it in you. And I don't know where you got it from. She's like, I think I know where I got it from. And she goes and hunts down Taskmaster. She's like, I think you're my dad. And he's like, maybe I don't remember my own name. All I remember is moves. <laughs> That's how my brain works. Okay? So, yeah. hey, look. Let's duke it out for a minute. Maybe I'll remember that. And don't be me. Because this here sucks, right? <laughs> and, and that is... I haven't ever, like, broke down the whole Taskmaster series before. I haven't gone through it. But one of the more interesting things was he's... So Taskmaster has photographic reflexes, which means if he sees something, he can do it instantly. And as we've just said, he remembers moves and nothing else. Uh, but he's not superhuman. So he frequently finds himself directly emulating people who have superpowers. And he's like... I can do Captain America shit for like 10 seconds and then my body will die. So, so let's see if I can't get 10 seconds of good ta- uh, Captain America stuff in here and then fuck off, you know? But again, that's an interesting because almost all of them come in the role of a uh, an assassin almost when it comes to the superhero narratives. But 
Taskmaster usually gets discovered by other people just coming upon him doing his own thing independently, which is teaching henchmen. All those guys in the Hydra suits and the AIM suits and whatever, they go to Taskmaster to learn how to get their shit together to, for the sake of their boss. So like Hydra or AIM or Hand or whoever pays him to do that, you know? That's usually what he's doing. And then the Avengers just burst into his circus or hospital or asylum or whatever and fuck off his plans. Which is interesting. He'd be minding his own business. And then they come in and fuck up his whole thing. Compared to like a situation where Deathstroke uh, or... Hmm? Yeah, Taskmaster also has the interesting... uh, Like, Taskmaster is another one of those interesting elements of the setting because a lot of what Taskmaster is doing is, typically speaking, in-universe, Taskmaster is actually doing something that should be legal. He's teaching people how to fight. Like, that's the main thing he does with his life. And yet, (laughs) he can be shut down and the heroes are justified in bringing their power to bear against him because he's teaching the wrong people. And that's a really fucked up thing when you think about it. Well, I mean, he's training fascist militias, right? <laughs> like, that's his primary goal. Like, he's he's training terrorists, you know, most of the time. And criminals. So, like, he's engaging in a criminal activity. But the but it's also one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, that that's probably a thing that occurs in a setting like this. It's very much a, well, yeah, no, of course, somebody does that. I guess it had to be him. But, yeah, it's going to be... I mean, like, I have zero. Who does the medical care for villains? Some doctors. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, interesting bit of note: Who makes the superhero costumes for villains? Peter Gamby's brother. <laughs> Didn't know that. Did I you? I love it. Yeah. No, I, I I hadn't heard that. The the last I heard about supervillain costumes, it was a gag bit in again a Deadpool comic where he mentioned that he stole all the suits he was gonna get. Um. After there's a whole set of comics about how Deadpool got his different looks. It's silly, but one of them he raids Reed Richards' um, private closet, and a, like he's supposedly wearing like one of Reed Richards' sexy time outfits. It... <laughs> yeah, because it's a Deadpool comic, man. It's a Deadpool comic, of course. But it like, is. yeah, this is just yeah. This is... <laughs> So, the mercenary, um, I, I talked about this when I, uh, angrily spoke about Deadpool, sorry, not Deadpool, about, uh, Daredevil Season 3, where they decided there that they wanted to, you know, go in on a backstory for that universe's version of Bullseye. <sighs> I wasn't happy with it. I don't want to just rehash my article. Um, particularly because I think that if you do listen to this podcast, odds are good you've read it. But the highlights are that dead uh, that, that um, Bullseye in typical stories is an out-of-context problem. He doesn't need motivation, so he can be used as a sort of, like, resistance or complication in any other story that would otherwise resolve itself very simply. Like, there are a lot of stories uh, with... Uh, like imagine if you will a scientist in the in devil's kitchen is doing a special test on like some residual chemicals they found around and they need people to they need to stay safe in hell's kitchen so they hire 
a mercenary to protect them, Daredevil or Spider-Man or whoever you want today swoops in and sees Bullseye protecting a scientist and is immediately like, oh, okay, this person's a bad guy. I know what I'm dealing with here. Fight, 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 fight. And the whole thing, if they didn't have Bullseye there, would just be a conversation of like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm looking at residual chemicals about this thing that blinded a kid a couple of years ago. Oh, okay, weird. I'm moving on with my life. But the presence of Bullseye puts a moral cast on it, even though for a lot of perspectives of relatively neutral parties, he is a service that some people supposedly need. Yeah, and like, that story doesn't go that way if Luke Cage is there, right? Yeah. And Luke Cage could easily be there, right? Yeah. And and there you have the interesting question of like, how many heroic mercenaries are there? Luke Cage is the obvious big one. That's another thing. They be, that's probably why they think that way. Like, oh, well, you didn't hire Luke Cage or Jessica Jones or any or uh, uh, Missy Knight or Colleen Wing, so you must be up to something, you know? Yeah. You As didn't hire to, the guys I know who done, are decent. Yeah. Well, you you might not have done the moral backgrounder on every single villain who, and and that's a that's an interesting spotlight fallacy because the heroes only deal with the mercenaries uh, who are bad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, like the heroes like there there are a ton of mercenaries you're gonna see as bit part unnamed characters in existing stories who are just very boring men in suits who walk along alongside a major character or walk around the kingpin and it's like okay they're bad because they're working for the kingpin but we never see him do anything they're just like yep this is my job i'm doing a very boring job with the potential preparation for if something goes wrong yeah, because none of them are important enough to have... They, they're just faceless dudes. It's part of why you give your mercenary character a weird mask and a signature weapon. Because yeah. that makes them somebody instead of nobody. Like, technically, yeah. they're the same as all of those dudes in suits and shades who get roughed up by Daredevil every week. But, like, I'm better than you, so I have an outfit and a nickname. Right? There was a character I wrote for a while there who was a professional goon. And it was basically... A guy who, for some reason, could not be involved in the existing uh, social infrastructure. So he couldn't get medical care and he couldn't get uh, basic income or anything like that. So he had to try and make ends meet with other means. And his method of choice was to be a goon. And one of the things he notes is that he worked. He made sure to only work for the costumed villains who wanted ridiculous outfits on their vil- on their on their goons because that meant when he wasn't in a ridiculous costume. He wasn't going to have to walk down the street and worry about Daredevil punching him in the face. Yeah, that's, uh, who's this fucking Hydra dude that, uh, Bob, the Hydra dude in Deadpool yeah. books. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. he just seems to be a fucking torture subject, but generally speaking, that's probably part of his life, you know? Like, when you listen, to, if, you're, if you play the Arkham games and you're just hanging out in the rafters listening to the goons talk, and it's an Arkham game, so they're all just kind of generically evil, you know? <laughs> It's, they're all talking about killing puppies and shit, but it's like, especially if you're in Arkham City, that whole ridiculous situation, there's really only thing, one thing for you to do, is to be a fucking goon for the Joker, because you're in a yeah. prison city. Like, what, 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 what you doing? Yeah, you, you basically have to pick which villain is offering the best benefits. Yeah, and it's, it's, again, like, you have those characters, right? And... They're all faceless nobodies, and there's you have your villains, and then there's like Deadshot, right? I think Deadshot's probably the most well developed of all of them, just because he's had books of his own and he's had extensive roles in multiple variations of the Suicide Squad as a concept. You know, yeah. the Suicide Squad, the Secret Six, 
There's been like four Suicide Squad movies. Well, there will be four. There were three. Um, and he's in most things that have Batman in it at some point or another. And yeah. that's like, he's, he feels more like a real character than any of the others because like he's a normal guy and you get into his mindset a lot more in like Suicide Squad books where it's become abundantly clear that he has like one, like lost it and two is like accepted that. Like, and in terms yeah. of like, no, like he knows I'm fucked up and that's just what it is. My daughter's over there and that's fine. You know, that, that level of self-awareness, because a lot of them will continually like justify it. Oh, this is the way it is. You do this for money, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't have that self-awareness to be like, no, I'm just kind of fucked up myself personally. You know, like I get Deadpool does that, especially the more he tries to like edge himself into hero environments, has that self-awareness. But like, that's my story. got that. Yeah. You know, I've don't recall ever hearing like Deathstroke is a terrible person and he will frequently like try to justify his terribleness to other people up to and including his family or you know and, but that's just like nah man this is just I'm bad you shouldn't be like that for y'all but like this is where I'm at and this is the only place I'm gonna be at and it, it that's a complication you don't see a lot because like, Obviously, because of material, right? A lot of these characters are villains or adversaries or even just supporting characters. They don't get to be main characters a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to which you're talking about here, as far as like these characters are defined first by their story utility. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes, when a character is needed to contrast with a hero, that they don't go digging through the archives and go, "All right, which which villain has." Uh, which, which of our various mercenaries has a history that relates specifically to medical propaganda? Do we have anyone with medical propaganda? Leaf, leaf, leaf. No, they just grab one of these characters who they think looks cool in this situation. They jam something into them to make it important for this story. And this means that the mercenaries, ironically, uh, wind up literally being characters in service to the capitalistic extent the story works. Like, it's it's really funny that the mercenaries are mercenary to the needs of the story yeah and it it i mean again they're they're, you know they're really useful tools and they're also it's i don't have to put this what it means essentially is that these characters don't so much have backstories as they have accumulations yeah that's like they have a lot of appearances and not a lot of material a lot of the time unless like the media wants you know the the books or the stories want to push them and then you'll get them a solo run, which may last a couple of issues. But they'll be in every fucking thing, and they'll be in the exact same place they were last time you saw them. Right? And it makes sense for Taskmaster, because he seems to be physically incapable of character development. But, like, it doesn't make quite make quite as much sense for Deathstroke or Deadshot or Deadpool. And Deadpool is the other one who's probably got the most development, just because, again, the push he's received. Deadpool has a me- has so much development that he's in that somewhat heroic role now or you can have a narrative um in that spider-man deadpool comic where he is the heroic character out to kill uh at that point rich industrialist peter parker but is also trying to become best friends with spider-man and become a better person through that friendship so that's a dichotomy there and he is the focal character in that setting which is something you'll won't get a lot because the outside influence is so high. Like, 
a lot of the Deathstroke push feels artificial, you know? Like, they keep yeah. putting him in shit, and they keep promoting him in shit, and I'm like, I don't fucking care, man. <laughs> like, even if it wasn't weird and gross that this child-abusing monster is getting all this push, I just don't want to sit... He's less interesting than Deadshot, stylistically. You know, like, a sniper is a more unique and specialized person than generic fight man that Deathstroke is. And, like, who fucking cares, man? Like, he's, he's, he's like, it's him. Like, Sportsmaster is similar, but we get more from the Young Justice stuff than we got from anything. So now I'm like, I'm kind of interested in Sportsmaster now because of his connections. (laughs) What I, but when I think about it, that's the same connection I have with Rose Wilson and yeah. Jericho. So it's like, am I actually interested in Sportsmaster? Or am I just realizing that I hate Deathstroke so much that I'm ignoring things that are interesting about him, you know? <laughs> like, now, let, now, now, just, just as a point of, of interesting, like, invisible ink here, this is an instance where there are two interesting women characters who we would like more of. And we would like to see more of, but both of us mentally went, well, they're not going to make that series. What would they make? Oh, they're dads. Wait, they, anybody making a fucking Sportsmaster series? <laughs> oh, yeah, but they're not, they're, Daddy. But they're going to make a Sportsmaster series before they make an Artemis series, because there's going to be some writer in fucking DC who's just had his daughter turn 14 and is like, she's uncontrollable. I feel like Sportsmaster. I reckon I can write that character excellently now. Oh man, you're probably right on that. I it, it would, it when when boat. you start when you start analyzing comics as things being made by people and okay. start charting things that happen in comics to things that happen in the lives of the people around them, and remember that all media is expressions of people responding to the world they live in. There are some occasional moments which get deeply unsettling and like there are some there are some very humanizing things but there's also these really depressing moments of like oh that's why that went that way fuck anyway the taskmaster likes the spice girls yeah (laughs) oh god i watched the boys for some reason it's better than the books yeah and there's a there's an extended spice girls bit so that's all i can think about well, look, the the boys is another example of something that wants to borrow that aesthetic of the mercenary. Look, it's Garth Ennis hating superheroes, Isn't that that, and that's Garth his Ennis thing. Does? Yeah, yeah, and like because he's really good at writing comics and he's really good at writing superheroes, he gets to write really good superhero stories that hate superheroes. What's kind of interesting thing to me about that? Like a yeah. lot of Mercs in this narrative um, do that, right? A lot of them have a, a, like an extreme distaste for like the. A lot of Mercs go on have that like generalized distaste for the rest of the universe, you know, and they do that sort of sour, you know, badass natural thing of like, oh, you know, I'm better, you know, because I have to work hard and I live in the gritty world. And like, hold on, like seventy percent of y'all have real actual superpowers, <laughs> like Deadpool, yep, um, Deathstroke, uh, Taskmaster, um. Probably not uh, uh, Deadshot, and probably, maybe, probably not Sportsmaster, but, like, a lot of y'all are actual superheroes, and so you, you got no room to have all this attitude, and you're wearing the costumes. Taskmaster, you're wearing a skulk face and a cape. You can't 
You can't have attitude, right? Yeah. Especially when you're fighting Moon Knight. Y'all look exactly the same. You can't make fun of his outfit. <laughs> uh, especially, uh, so, so here's just a, just a minor note about Taskmaster, and it's silly, but I think it's funny. Uh, Taskmaster, <laughs> Taskmaster doesn't know what his mask looks like. What? He chooses what to. He has he has this kind of recurrent amnesia special ability thing. Oh yeah! <laughs> so he forgets a lot of stuff. He knows he wears a mask because he doesn't want people to see his face reacting to every new stimulus, and he mostly fakes remembering people. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. So there's it's just this, it's just this minor funny thing about how uh, uh, about how Taskmaster has a doofy mask but doesn't know what his doofy mask looks like. Oh, man. Taskmaster's gonna be getting a lot of push in the next couple of years. He's gonna be in... He was, like, the main first villain in that Avengers uh, thing that's gonna be coming out in a year or two. Yeah. And he's gonna be in that Hawk, uh, that Black Widow movie. I have no faith in that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, I, uh... <sighs> now, Black Widow's a cop. <laughs> so you're gonna be rooting for Taskmaster in that? I don't know. I I I'm a little torn. I don't really root for anyone in these movies because they are very much like loaf of good, well-produced, high-budget media, and they usually only have like one or two small things that happen in them that are interesting enough to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um and like you've seen me do it a bunch a bunch of them. Like Black Panther is like got a lot of interesting stuff going on in there. It's really exciting and very uh, uh, nice, but a lot of the stuff it's talking about isn't starting any conversations, it's just bringing a lot of conversations that were already happening into a place where people might actually notice them. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm trying to... I'm, I'm trying to contextualize one of the X-Men in this setting, because, like, Deadpool's not an X-Men. They will tell you that. I mean, he will tell you otherwise, but they'll make sure he's not an X-Men. And I feel like the X-Men is such a big space... That someone in it counts in that range. Like you were talking about Spiral, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know enough to agree or disagree with that. And try, so I'm trying to put what I know in some context. Because like, eh. man, what mm-hmm. <laughs> Spiral Spiral's especially um, huh. Spiral's especially funny because she's she's kind of mangled by her presence in the television show and the television show put her adjacent to mojo and that's a whole web of for any for anyone not aware mojo is kind of a wrestling promoter with an interdimensional super television show that an extra dimensional audience watches so like he's alien to our reality and his audience is alien to him and so He's so many steps removed from everything you ever deal with, but he has the power to, like, pluck people out of their reality and dump them into what amounts to a game show with violence. It's not... It's not good. So he's right? Vince McMahon. I don't McMahon. want... Sorry? So he's Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's what if Modoc was Vince McMahon. He's not a great character, and he used to... And there's an interesting story he has going on where he kind of has this iconic hero character in all of his game shows who's a mutant with one special ability that makes him succeed a lot like that's his whole thing but one of the characters in that space is spiral and spiral is a multi-armed maybe mutant uh 
and she has shown up in other story spaces. Thing is, she's definitely at one point collecting a paycheck from Mojo to enforce what he wants. But most of the time, she's just like security for Mojo's bullshit. Which presents the question, is she a mercenary? And note, the hero character of that group, Longshot, is a mercenary. <laughs> like, That's in the, the story, Mojo tells, Longshot's a mercenary. That's kind of interesting. Like, are you a merc in this setting if you have one employer and you stay with them? Or are you a henchman at that point? Yeah. Like, you have to move, I think you have to move around a lot and show up in different spaces to sort of be a super heroic or villainous hench, uh, mercenary. Because the part of it is you're like a tool that could be slotted in different places. Because, uh, uh, you know, like a, the right-hand man to ex-villain is not a universally applicable tool, right? Like, I'm trying to think, put a... Uh, trying to apply some specific context to this um toad is not something that you can use in every setting he's a member of the brotherhood of mutants he's going to show up and stuff relative to that right mm. but he still works for somebody may or may not get paid possibly they at least feed him i'm assuming <laughs> right yeah it's just like you could have deadshot fight almost anybody you could give him kryptonite bullets and say hey go get superman he might go forward right but yeah. mercy Mercy is not a bet, you know, Mercy Graves, Luke, um, uh, Lex Luthor's chauffeur slash henchwoman slash bodyguard, she, she's not going to show up in a setting that doesn't have one Superman and two Lex Luthor. But I yeah. that that shot, that stroke, sports master, they can show up all kinds of fucking places. Right? Yeah. You're, you're essentially given this, this, uh, kind of contrasting space where the mercenary, the mercenary is a fascinating character in this way because they are, they are, like, I've already said that they're in service to the storytelling needs of the people making the story, so, like, the external system. But in-universe, they are then also in service of the storytelling needs of the characters who are employing them. Lex Luthor needs reliability, stability, someone who can cash a check, and also he needs someone who can, in some way, protect him from Superman. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing, too. Like, again, a bodyguard, like, you can hire Luke Cage as a bodyguard. Right? Nine times yeah. out of ten, if you hire Deathstroke, it's to go do something. Like, elsewhere. Like, go yeah. over there. Like, it's an, it's, an, it's, a, it's an offensive force more often than it's a defensive force. That's, again, yeah, what and makes Taskmaster kind of different. You can view that back throughout way, way ago. It was like a year and a half ago now. Uh, our conversation about the villain versus the hero in that the villain is typically a proactive character who is trying to change the status quo while the hero is usually a reactive character who's defending it hmm. yeah because hmm. eat the rich yeah. <laughs> every time it like you have this like application of these figures um because i know you probably have a lot of thoughts how do you because like how do you feel this comparison like do you think an assassin is a distinct character archetype from this or is I it like would a fluid thing. I, don't know. I I I do think it's to a certain degree fluid. Um, particularly, the important thing to me is what's the priority of this character in the story. So you can absolutely hire um, Taskmaster to kill someone, but that's out of his typical oeuvre. That's not the kind of thing he normally does. Not that he doesn't kill people, but, like, you don't typically hire him to say, I need you to kill one person specifically. Assassin tends to come with a lot of degrees of subtlety. 
characters who commit assassinations are usually very precise they hit one target and they move on whereas this other element this this uh mercenary has a certain rough and tumble you'll get into a fight kind of thing in a lot of ways also assassins tend to come with a certain degree of ideology that mercenaries are kind of usually avoiding like there are assassins who do things like ah yes we hired the greatest assassin to do things to, to to kill this person but that's usually not going to be Deathstroke or the like. Yeah. There's a lot of flexibility in what a mercenary can do, whereas a merc- whereas an assassin is just going to show up for one thing. And it's kind of weird, too, because you look at Merlin uh, from the comics. It's important to make that distinction. Because in the show, Merlin is a supervillain. He is a big name, capital S supervillain, and an arch nemesis to Green Arrow. In the comics, yeah. he's a mercenary who has a personal beef with Green Arrow and will like, yeah. take jobs like, no, no, oh, oh, some Green Arrow? Oh, yeah, no, let's go. I'll do that. I'll give you a discount. But most of the time, he's a ex-member or current member or ex-member of the League of Assassins, and he's just a merc who does archery, you know? And, yeah. and that's kind of how I view Bullseye, too, where, like, yeah, Bullseye can show up in other people's books and has, but I feel like he hates Daredevil so much, he will drop whatever else he's doing to go fuck with Daredevil if somebody, like, mentions it, you know? And that, that like, kind of edges it on that space. Com- compared to, like, Deadshot, who has weird hang-ups about Batman, or, like, he wants to kill Batman but cannot bring himself to do it for whatever reason. That happens yeah. a lot. And that's the thing, right? Because, like, again, a lot of these are villains, and they have close associations with... You know, usually, if not the first person whose book they showed up in, then whoever they had their most important story in. So while they're versatile tools in that way, like, it's rare that they will have, like, Deadshot may show up, not Deadshot, uh, Bullseye may show up in a Spider-Man book. He is not going to be the most important thing that happened to him in that Spider-Man book. It's going to be just a thing he did on the side, right? Like, it's not a big deal when Bullseye shows up in the fucking issue of Cloak and Dagger. That's just, oh, we needed somebody to fight, right? It's not, we're not gonna, he's, he's probably not gonna kill anybody important to them. He's probably not gonna have, die in that book, you know? Fucking, <laughs> Bullseye, Merlin, uh, probably Deadshot, aren't gonna die in a fucking issue of Ambush Bug or some shit. Yeah. Because, like, if that, if important things are gonna happen to them, there are people it's going to happen to them with, right? Everything else is just, honestly, it's kind of like the idea that, you know, we assume that the superhero is fighting small problems when we're not looking at them. And we kind of assume the Merc is doing that, and we actually get to see that in other books out there, or other stories out there. And, you know, they could be having a main narrative here against whoever is their main antagonist, and they get that freedom to sort of do the side things elsewhere. Which, like, you don't have that for the Joker. You don't have that for the Green Goblin, you know? They don't, like, hypothetically, we assume they're doing other kinds of villainy, but they always seem to be primarily directed at one person and rarely doing anything. Like, yeah, Mojo supposedly is doing all this Mojoverse stuff, but, like, how often does he show up in non-X books, right? Yeah, he's not really a meaningful element of other stories, and I think that's because a lot of people have recognized that he's kind of dumb. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you really hate Mojo. What did Mojo do to you? 
I like him. He's terrible. <laughs> I, I, I okay. So you know my beef about multiverse in stories. Ah, ah. yeah, yeah. Not only is Mojo multiverse, but he's proof that the multiverse is easy, and I hate that. Anyway, okay. So it's not necessarily Mojo as a character. It's just the Mojo verse as a concept. Yeah, yeah, the Mojoverse, the Mojo story space, the idea of... And also, when we're talking about a superhero comic and where the whole point of it is this superhero comic is letting us turn things we feel and things we wish we could do into meaningful stories to then have someone go, and it's all just for entertainment! <laughs> it It's very tiresome. And it ties back to that Joker problem I mentioned way back at the start of the podcast. Yeah, and... <clears throat> now, now I'm comparing Mojo to fucking... Uh, hold on, I lost the thought process from there. But arcade, right? So you yeah. know what arcade, right? X Men villain. Yeah. Technically, uh, give he's... A, give a rough rundown for the villain for the villains for the listeners. <laughs> um, for any villains or other people out there, uh, arcade is an X Men mostly villain who uh is hired by people to kill people they don't like, but because he's just kind of a big nerd, he makes this elaborate murder place that he calls Murder World, and he just, like, kidnaps you and sticks you in it, and that's how he kills you. Hypothetically, this works most of the time for, like, politicians and, like, low-level gangsters and stuff, but it never, obviously, works on villains or or heroes. And he mostly fights the X-Men, but there was a period of time, um, God, what was it? It was, uh, not Academy, it's I think it was Avengers Arena, where you just kidnap a bunch of children, like a bunch of young X-Men and young Avengers and stuff, and yeah. a couple of runaways, and fucking Justin, my boy Justin, fuck you, and it just, it just killed those kids, <laughs> because he kept losing. He was like, I keep losing, I am a joke to everybody else in my my field, I'm gonna get a win, by just fucking up some kids. And it was, it was Hunger Games. He was doing Hunger Games. It was when Hunger Games was big, and they wanted to do Hunger Games. So they, somebody, who wrote that? I want to say Dennis Hopeless? Okay, is that an assassin? Is that a merc? Is that some Uh, other thing? No, look, at that, at that point, at that point, you're essentially dealing with a Joker-style, like, villain, and their, their place within the structure is meaningless, because, like, when you have an island you can call Arcade's Murder World, you, you're not... You, you've got a base. You might as well build a skull island at that point. I mean, uh, De- Deathstroke has a base? So, Arcade's Again, Murder World. he's got a mansion and a butler. Yeah. That's alright. I mean, they killed people I personally cared about. Kind of gratuitously, so I was mad. But, like, yeah, that's what you do. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, that's a different, like, dynamic, right? Because... I mean, he's doing a lot of the same things, but, like, he doesn't have the aesthetic or the, like, presentation, and he doesn't have the methodology, and, again, until this story, he was mostly associated with one group of characters. Like, he was mostly just a supervillain. He was, like, the Riddler, almost. Especially, like, Arkham City Riddler, where he put people in weird traps and shit. It's basically the same thing. But, like, I do, again, because they're all just gun sword man and i yeah there are so many of them who are just gun sword man i think that's part of the problem i think around the point you start getting a gimmick and you stop being gun sword man um 
you start getting more of a character and they need to have a motivation for you. Whereas in our society, like, this is kind of fucked up when you think about it, but in the world we live, the idea of, well, why don't I just kill people for money? Like, we don't need a lot to explain that. Yeah. And again, like, just do Like, that's a job. That's a real job. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the disappointing thing, right? Because it's like, you're in a superhero set. You can be more interesting, right? And most of them are only interesting in, like, ways that are, like, separate from their overall, like, gimmick, right? Again, it's the Taskmaster thing where he has fucking school. That's interesting. But, like, he's still just Gunsword, man. You know? Yeah, Deadshot is slightly more interesting because he's a sniper, specifically. And so is Merlin. He's an archer. But, like, still just shooty, man. You know? It's it. <laughs> you wanted to... Yo. At one, one season of Arrow had just, like a, like, a gangster dude for, like, half the season as the villain. And he's like, ah, we need something special to deal with all these soups. And he just hired some gunsword man who I don't think ever got a name. And I was sitting here like, you're supposed to be Sportsmaster? Who is that? Nobody. He was nobody. He was gunsword man. (laughs) (laughs) Eat shit. As far as gimmicks go, and for this word, we've mentioned him a lot and not actually talked about it. Sportsmaster is called that because occasionally he'll hit someone with a hockey stick. The thing is, he's like Casey Jones with a gun. Hey, 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 don't Casey Jones. Sportsmaster is weird. I'm not doing your boy dirty. Here's the thing riflery is a sport. You could just get a gun. You are making things (laughs) way more difficult than they need to be. You are the master of sports. You could just learn how to shoot a gun. Why are you making there's everybody's a, life more difficult? So there's a sport in, uh, I want to say it's Kyrgyzstan, where you ride around on a horse trying to get an object into a goal. Uh, and the thing is, the object in question is a decapitated goat. And the way you do it is with a long bladed hook that you can swing from horseback, which has got like this circular weight around the neck of it so that when you swing it the momentum changes and lets you hook it up into the core into the thing but also makes it very hard to hold it just saying if this guy branched out from like american sports he'd have a lot more deadly weapons to work with but there is that truth right he picked a very specific gimmick and also like, if i'm that if made I'm dealing, him more if interesting I, also, if I just misrepresented a, uh, that particular Kyrgyzstani game, I'm really sorry. I've seen the hooks. I'm not. I might have the geography wrong. Like I looked up an image of Sportsmaster, and he is on rocket skis because he is a sport. <laughs> Here you go. So like <laughs> that ain't happened. De- that might happen to Deadpool as a joke. That image looks like it's supposed to be taken completely seriously. So like. You know, yeah. like, that's probably also why I find Sportsmaster more interesting. Because he, like, picked a meaningful gimmick, and he read with it. So it's like, like, like who, who? I mean, I I still, I still kind of hate Sportsmaster, because they try to give him pathos over his two daughters, where I'm like, no, he's just a bad dad. He's, don't, hey, look, don't, don't do this to me. You don't have to do this. Just fuck okay. this guy. He's a bad dad. Who else would you trust but Red Skull? I'm sorry. Let me phrase that. Who else? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the death throws. I love them. I love that so much. It's so stupid. 
Yeah. Yep. Which is a mercenary crew of criminal jugglers. Well, I mean, they're, they're not mercenary per se. They did get hired at a couple of points. Yeah, thing, right? But, um, like... they also just rob banks. Also, for the gimmick of evil jugglers, I'm surprised there's no one who's got the whole sexy clown aesthetic. That's the thing, right? How many of these guys have independent agency when they're not being paid to do stuff? Again, like, Taskmaster is in his own place. You come to him, but he's always doing that thing, right? Like, yeah. I don't even know if that's really all that different when I, th- when I say it out loud, because, like, is that different than, yeah, Deathstroke is always killing people. And just if you hire him or he hires him or she hires him, He's always going to be killing people, but they they very rarely have, and when they do, it's usually a terrible story or kind of weird or like completely removed from the character where it's like, no, what independent agency? Like the shocker goes out and robs banks because he wants money. That is his primary goal. He does that first and foremost. Whereas again, Deathstroke, Deadshot, certain versions of Sportmaster, you know, Taskmaster, Deadpool, they do stuff because somebody else told them to do it. And they make them, they make themselves available to do that stuff to make money. It's like fishing almost, right? Yeah. But like you compare that to again, like your like your hood or your your your, your thief. They go out and do stuff specifically on their own, completely independent of any you know, like outside agency or factors, right? Catwoman comes to your house and robs you is because she wanted the stuff you had, right? If if Deadpool shows up yeah. to your house. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very direct kind of mentality, which is which is one of the really interesting things. Like a lot of all these mercenaries are dealing with stuff that has a lot of mercantary, a, a lot of a lot of value. Like in some cases, they're taking very expensive things and giving them to other people for a paycheck that represents a much smaller component of what they're delivering. It's a it's a really fucked up thing when you yeah, think about it. But like, uh, it's it's a job. <laughs> Makes, it, it probably makes more sense than being an active thief because like hypothetically there's maybe some like legal stuff you can finagle in the position as a higher you know like you can like if you work for somebody else and everybody knows you work for somebody else and the cops get you know the bad guys get you you could probably cop a plea deal but you're like oh i'll tell you everything i'll tell you who hired me let me go if you are independently robbing banks and you get caught that is the end of you right like, and or maybe you work for a government, and you can and you can hype, you know in in the superhero setting, you can probably claim like fucking diplomatic, you know, uh, independence or whatever, uh, diplomatic uh, immunity or something like that, right? Immunity. Like, there's all this. Which, by the way, that's that's a so so. There's an interesting mm-hmm. thing. That's kind of a real thing that happens. Yeah, anyway. but like uh, fucking like that. Like, there's as much as we like say they're independent. They're still attached to, like, an existing larger framework in a way that a lot of independent criminals in these settings aren't. Yeah, like, there's a though whole also, thing. mercenaries are attached to capitalism. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm trying to think. I don't remember the specifics of the interactions of Malta, because I know a lot of Malta agents are, like, hired, but then some of them are, like, employed, so to speak. You know yeah. What I mean? Um, in, in City of Heroes, the Malta group is especially weird because, again, they're cops, but also they commit bank robberies. That's so weird. Because I... And they do that explicitly to fill slush funds. That's so weird to me, because I, I always view them as, like, an extension of, like, the Illuminati or something. Yeah, you they know? kind of are. And it's like, so then, like, why? Why? All of this. 
Like, I, it's weird when the Illuminati shows up with a giant combining robot. I'll let that go, though. It's superhero books. The, the giant combining robot is they, honestly pretty cool. It is very cool. But that, whatever. It's the fact that, like, why would y'all be... This should be a high-level thing, and it, it multis, what, like, 40, 50, maybe low 30s? Uh, no, they're, they're a 40 to 50 group. Yeah, okay, so that's that. When you start threatening the evil government. Okay, but why y'all fucking... Why y'all showing up from paper missions? That's not where you go. That's not what you do. You have... They need a... Like, the fucking talents, right? Talents... Excuse me, folks. The talents of vengeance, or the knives of Artemis, are like a side group to Malta. Yeah, it, it all gets very messy at this point. We are now talking about deep lore about a video game. You don't know I'm trying to hit these points every episode. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's this is the City of Heroes segment that is scheduled every week, whether <laughs> you know it or not. But like they're somewhat more independent, right? They're like a cult. They were a cult before, and they got tied into all that fucking incarnate shit. But like they're an independent contractor. They're almost like the Hand if the Sioux didn't exist. But they're you know they're separate, and they get hired by Malta. If I understand that, am I? Yeah, and then you turn out later on that they're also part of a cult. It's it's weird. Yeah, and again, that's the thing, right? Multi like individual multi groups don't have agency in the way that the knives did, right? Like the minute they get that sense of self agency of we have a religious goal, they be they stop being mercs and start being fucking ninjas. You know, <clears throat> that differentiates yeah. them. That's the thing, like th- th- these higher goals that they have, like the lack of higher goals. And it and the lack of a willingness to be completely like independent in that way, they are, you know, being hired and paid and what have you, as opposed to getting the money themselves. Or I'm assuming something really kind of defines them. Though again, it's the idea that some merch you can just pay to not kill you, and some you can't. Right? It it does. It's and I feel like there's space there. I feel like there's space in that area in between to like wedge them in. Like, again, like a mercenary group that has, like, always training somebody out. Like, oh, hey, Joe, it's your turn to go up, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. But they're also very independent most of the time, right? It's always a singular dude with... So it's one gun sword man, and he does his thing, right? There's no greater... Despite the fact that he's attaching himself to other people's power and money, he's still very solitary, and yet not that motivated in that. Because, like, again, the minute you start forming a group, you got to start having, like, shared goals. Because, like, when Deadpool was hanging out with all of them, they were constantly trying to fuck each other up, if memory serves. Yeah. Like, like they they weren't even, like, technically a group of mercenaries. They were a group, and all of them were criminals. Am I correct? Like, they weren't. Because, like, Deadpool has formed a group of dudes. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money. That was, like, two or three years ago. And I'm curious about that. Like, what is the framework there right because it's a bunch of like d-listers it's like fucking killjoy and stingray and i think um solo and a bunch of motherfuckers nobody cares about and he got them all together and stuck them in like multicolored costumes and like oh y'all are deadpools now like what, <laughs> what, what what's going on there yeah like like what I almost want to read that book now that I'm talking about this to see what's, what's, what, did, what are we doing with that? How's that working out? Because I can't imagine that that group stays together for long based on the independent motivations, you know? Like, they would see, like, actually, let's fuck you. How about we all just go? 
Oh, hey. Oh, my God. I forgot about Paladin. But that is that one thing, is that when you do, like, have these sort of dubious uh, alliances with Mercs, right? Because, like, the um, Heroes for Hire, when it was Misty Knight and Black Cat and uh, Colleen Wing and Tarantula and someone else, um, they also, like, worked with this dude named Paladin, who was a gigantic asshole. And the thing about him is, like, you can't get them to work, because they're the Heroes for Hire. They get paid. They mostly take contracts from larger organizations, right? And Paladin betrayed them, like, immediately, because someone paid him more. And that's the thing, right? Like, you can technically get Deadshot to work with the Justice League. Yeah, but if you can afford him. All, and all it takes is for Lex Luthor to be like, okay, but, like, what about that, but more? And you're like, oh, fuck him, right? Yeah. And, and thus... And that's... That, and, and, and thus, interestingly, we come back around to one of the original points of this conversation, which is by being bound to capitalism, they abdicate their morality and their ability to make choices. Yeah. yeah. In like, this way, again, capital the... makes monsters of us all. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> which is why we need bombs in our necks to, this, to make us stay on the straight and narrow. This is what <laughs> Amanda Waller has taught me. She's good at that! She's good at giving them agency! She's good at giving them fucking goals. She's good at making them do the right things. Telling me the suicide squad She's the best work. in the world it's... there is. She's the best there is at making people act against their best interests, she says. She has she has gotten fucking Deathstroke, Deadshot, fucking Black Spider, fucking Merlin, fucking Captain Cold, fucking Black Manta, all of them to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And she's the reason that Deadshot has so much character development. <laughs> Alright. So, yeah. at this point, I think we've run out of the amount... Uh, sorry, at this point, this is as far as the money you've paid us is going to take us. Yeah. Now... And if you need anything else, just call Hitmonkey. Yeah. That was Clay. <laughs> that was Stalin. And that was From the Rooftops, a podcast about superheroes. One last thing, though. How much would you reckon it would cost to take out Blade? To take out? Um, Jesus. I mean... I don't know, because see, hmm, hmm. I don't know, how much, uh, how much did, uh, fucking Maharshala Ali get paid? Twice that. Because, I mean, I'm thinking, he's not the kind of guy who wants to go to, like, a $200 restaurant, he just doesn't see the kind of guy who's going to be happy in that space. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> thank, That's you for, good. thank you for eventually <laughs> taking me where I needed to be. <laughs> That's That's good. Alright. Ah. No, he seems like a... Honestly, he seems kind of like a, a um a roadside diner kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someplace that serves really shitty coffee. Yeah, or like that one... No, no, no actually, not a roadside diner, because that implies travel, but like actually just like, no, like this one lady in, our, in, in my neighborhood has this little place, and it's great, and I'm not going to eat anywhere else. Fuck that. Mm. Oh, he does a lot of traveling. I think you had a lot the first time. Vampires are everywhere, my dude. 